That's it, you guys. We're going to shout it out in the name of Jesus. You can go ahead and take a seat for a moment. We are so glad that you are with us, whether you're here in person or watching online. On behalf of the Shook family, on behalf of the church staff, I just want to say welcome to Woodlands Church. You are part of the family and you are here for a reason. We are so excited about what God is doing in this holiday season as we move into Christmas. So many cool things are happening at Woodlands Church. The first thing I want to let you know about is our mobile app. I know a lot of you have it, but some of you don't. And the great thing about the Woodlands Church mobile app is it's for Android and iOS. It's a small download, but what's so cool is it has the events in there. It has the message archive. It has the daily devotional. It has all the things you need, even the sermon notes. It has everything you need to stay connected with Woodlands Church here on the weekend, but also on the go, because we are all moving around during the, this crazy time, and we're all, you know, in, in different places. But the main thing is the app is there for you. It's right there in your pocket, okay? If you can have Instagram, if you can have your mail on there, you can have church on your phone. And so it's so important to get that app, wc.org forward slash app. Now, if you look in the app, you'll see that we have some cool things coming up. The first thing I'll let you know about is the Festival of Lights. You'll see that on the website, wc.org, or in the app. And what's so cool about this, it's a walk-through light display. You may have seen it when you were coming up uh, today at the Woodlands Campus, but it's so cool because it's happening multiple days throughout the season, up until Christmas Eve services. And what's so great about it, it's, it's a free event, it's a free thing that we're doing for the community. It has hot chocolate, caroling, really a beautiful light display for your family. And the reason we're doing it at Wilderness Church is it's an outreach ministry because we believe the community needs to be lifted up. And we want you to make memories with your friends, with your family safely, have a great time. And that's why we're doing this. So go on the app, go on the website to see when it's happening. It's actually going to be happening tonight. So if you're in the Houston area, come join us tonight right here on the plaza at the Woodlands Campus, 6 p.m. It's going to be so, so much fun. Well, leading up to Christmas is so exciting because we have Christmas Eve services. And Christmas Eve services, you guys, I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. Take a look at this video. Christmas Eve at Woodlands Church is such a beautiful tradition in the Houston community. I know you guys love it. I know people around the, the community love it. And it's going to be so much fun. All I want you to do right now is in the app or on the website, go ahead and tap on the Christmas Eve icon and you will see all the service times that are happening. What I want you to do is pick out a service time right now. Go ahead and take it out. Do, do whatever you need to do. Pick a service time that you are going to attend with your family right now. And then do another thing. Pick a service time that you're going to come and bring a friend to. And that could be here on campus or it could be online. We know that Everyone needs to, to experience church in the way that is best for them right now. But more than anything, Christmas Eve at Woodlands Church is going to be huge. We're going to have the carols by candlelights. We're going to have the worship songs you love, the creative elements. It is going to be so fun, so safe, so amazing. God is going to move in a mighty, mighty way, and you guys are part of it. Well, today we're so excited because we have Pastor Lee Strubble with us. And Lee is a, just an incredible speaker, a gifted communicator. But more than anything, this message, I think, could change your life. And it's called The Season of Grace. I got to hear it last night, and it really is one of the best messages you will hear all year. God has something in store for you. So the reason you're here online, the reason you're here in person, it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. God has you here for a reason. I encourage you, tune out distractions right now. Turn off the, the distractions that are going on in your mind. Focus in on what God has for you for this hour, because it is going to be so, so good. But right now, we're going to continue to worship. So go ahead and stand with us. Well, good morning. good morning. Did you know that today marks the beginning of Advent, which is the sort of the traditional countdown of the church toward Christmas? And if you're like me, you feel like it can't come a moment too soon, right? Uh, there was a headline in a newspaper right after Halloween, so way back, right at the beginning of November, that said, 2020 needs to be over, so let's start Christmas early. 
And a lot of people have agreed with that. You've seen the decorations up already, my trees up and decorated, and everybody kind of just wants to put 2020 behind them a bit and, and, and celebrate something great, which is Christmas. And the verse that came to mind for me was John 1, verse 14. And the reason is the first 10 words of this verse are a perfect description of Christmas. This is what it says. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's Christmas. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace. Christmas is all about God's grace. Grace, after all, is a gift. It's a gift of His love, of His generosity, of His kindness, of His mercy. And here's the thing. Christmas season is the time for celebrating the grace of God by passing on grace to other people. How do we do that? How do we spread the grace of God to others around us during this Advent season? Well, I think we can do it in some very simple ways. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think there are three simple things that we can do to share grace with others this Christmas season. The first is to show a gesture of meeting a need. A gesture of meeting a need. Jesus, of course, met all kinds of physical needs during his ministry in this world. Luke 7, verse 22 says, As a result of Jesus' ministry, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus met people where they were at. He, he um, uh, brought them help in the midst of the need that they had. And when we serve others as Jesus did, when we meet needs in other people's lives as Jesus did, it often causes their eyes to drift heavenward toward their heavenly Father who motivates us against the grain of this me-first world to put the needs of others ahead of our own. I was thinking about this not long ago um, because I was reminiscing about a funeral I went to for a friend of mine named Bill McMillan. Bill was a great guy. Um, He was a financial advisor, um, kind of an ordinary guy in many ways, but he loved God and he loved to share share, uh, God's grace with other people. And so at his funeral, they did something unusual. They put microphones up in the aisles And they asked people, if they'd like, to come up and tell the story of how their interaction with Bill McMillan changed their life and changed their eternity. And one of the women who came up was a woman named Mary. And Mary described how uh, one day her husband of 18 years walked out on her, walked out on her and the kids, and it left her scared and confused and frightened and, and in financial hardship. And so she didn't know what to do. She needed some financial advice. So she found a financial advisor. It was Bill McMillan. And Bill gave her some financial advice, but then he invited her to come with him and his wife to church on Sunday. And so she did. And she shows up at church. They sat together at church. Afterwards, she said, we were sitting in the atrium of the church, and he was he was just encouraging me and, and, and building me up and giving me hope. And, and he said, at the end of our conversation, we stood up to say goodbye, and we, we shook hands. And, and as he walked away, I realized he had pressed something into my hand as he walked away. 
And I looked at it, and I unfolded it, and it was two $100 bills. It turns out that Bill, who, who was not a wealthy guy, would keep this cash in a special place in his wallet. And every morning, he would pray to God, God, lead me to the person I'm supposed to give this to today. And most days, there was nobody. But on this day, this woman had needs. And there was such an occurrence. In tears, she described this encounter and how this is what opened up her heart to Jesus Christ. And she said, I'm a Christian today because Bill McMillan showed me grace. She met, he met a need in her life, and it touched her so deeply. It pointed her to the God who can meet her every need that she had. So the question I want to ask is, who in your world today needs you to meet a need in a way that might point them toward God? Because when you're willing to graciously meet the needs of others, you're going to see God do amazing things in the midst of that. I remember, gosh, many years ago, it was right before Christmas, I was praying one day and, and uh, I, I sensed that God was giving me a very specific leading, a, a, an urging, and it was very specific. I needed to go to uh, the bank and get an anonymous cashier's check and, for $500 and to send it to this young woman in our church who was going through tough times. So I, 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 it felt so specific. I knew it was from God. It wasn't from me because we only had about $500 in the bank at the time. That was about our life savings. And so... I, I said to Leslie, this is what I'm feeling. What do you think? And she prayed about it. She said, Lee, I, I feel the same thing. We need to do it. So we went and we got this anonymous cashier's check. And then we felt specifically that part of the leading from God was that we needed to drive to the hometown of where this young woman lived and mail it on Saturday to her. We didn't know why, but that's what we did. So we drove to our town. We mailed on Saturday. Monday morning, before the mail was delivered, I got a phone call, and it was from this young woman, and she was in tears. I said, what's wrong? She said, something horrible has happened. I said, what? She said, on Friday afternoon, my car broke down, and I took it into the shop, and they said it's going to take $454 to fix my car, and I don't have $454, and if I don't have my car, I'm going to lose my job, and I don't know what to do. But Lee, would you please pray for me? And I said, absolutely, I will pray for you. And I did. And then that afternoon when the mail came, she opened the mail. Here's an anonymous $500 check to meet her need. Now, God could have prevented her car from breaking down in the first place, right? He could have done that. But then Leslie and I would not have had the thrill of how it feels to be the answer to someone's prayer. Who do you know in your neighborhood, in your family, in your community? Who do you know who has a need during this pandemic that you might be able to meet? Because if you're willing to follow God's nudgings and to meet needs like that during the Christmas season, you're not only going to have the joy of being the answer to someone's prayer, but you're going to be able to witness how God orchestrates this sort of stuff in an extraordinary way that will build your faith and encourage you at the same time that this other person is being encouraged by the grace that you're showing to them. So that's one thing we can do. We get a simple gesture of meeting a need. Second gesture of grace we can express is the gesture of affirmation. 
the gesture of affirmation. We see this in Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now, you have to know there was all kinds of hostility in those days between uh, Jewish people and the Samaritans. The Samaritans uh, people were considered by the Jews to be half-breeds. And so there was a lot of conflict, there was a lot of hostility, and certainly in those days, an unmarried rabbi, a Jewish rabbi like Jesus, would, in normal times, would not um, stop to converse with a Samaritan woman, especially a Samaritan woman whose lifestyle was so questionable that she was forced to go to the community well at noon while the other respectable women were at home in the shade. In fact, she was a, a five-time divorcee who was currently living with a guy who wasn't her husband. And yet, Jesus does something extraordinary. He pauses to speak to her. This is what we're told in John 4, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water at the well, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, we kind of gloss over it. You know, will you give me a drink? Big deal. No, it was a big deal. In those days, you know what it meant in that circumstance, in that context, to say the words, would you give me a drink? Here's what Jesus is really saying to her. Will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? What was he doing? He was looking beneath her sin. He was was seeing a, a soul made in the image of God, and he was affirming her dignity as a human being who is loved by the Father. Jesus was known as a friend even of sinners. In Matthew chapter 8, we see the story about Jesus being approached by a man with leprosy. And the man said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And so Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. And the man was instantly healed. Now, the context there is important, too, because lepers were outcasts. They were ostracized during those days. People didn't understand this disease. They were afraid they would get it if they came around people who had leprosy. So they certainly wouldn't touch a leper like Jesus did. They certainly wouldn't get close to a leper like Jesus did. But here's Jesus, the Son of God, who had the ability to heal that leper from 2,000 miles away. But he didn't. He reached out. And he touched him. Why? I believe it was to affirm his dignity as a human being. To say, I love you. You matter to the Father. I care about you. You have value to me. I mean, with that touch, Jesus communicated all of that. So question, who in your world needs some affirmation these days? A gesture that says that you matter to God, and guess what? You matter to me too. A gesture that says, I love you, and I I need you to know that God loves you too. How might that change their life? You know, my dad was a good man, and he provided for me, and he gave me opportunities, and he supported me, and he gave me money. There were all these clues in our relationship that he loved me, all these clues, and yet my whole life, I never heard him say the words, I love you. And so part of me kind of lived in a state of ambiguity. There were these clues, but but he never said it. And so there was a sense of incompleteness, a a sense of ambiguity. Friends, you can't um, overestimate the power of these 
ultimate words of affirmation, the words, I love you. I was reminded of that at a a Christmas Eve service at a church I was at a number of years ago. At at this church, they had a tradition that uh, at the end of the service on Christmas Eve, everybody would sing the song, Silent Night. And the pastor encouraged everybody to stand, to sing this song. And he said, now sometime, at some point during this song, I want to encourage you to affirm the family members who you brought or the friends that you brought. Just affirm them at some point during this song. Well, I was sitting in this auditorium right behind a small family, and it was a a husband and a wife and a little girl, and then there was a teenage boy. And I could tell, even looking from sitting behind him, I could tell there was tension between this teenager and his dad. For one thing, he left an empty seat between him and his dad, and the whole service, uh, the boy sat with his his eyes uh, looking down, his shoulders kind of hunched. Uh, You could tell he didn't want to be there. This is not his idea. He didn't want to be there. And when everybody stood to sing Silent Night, he just looked down and mumbled. He wasn't really singing along. So we sang the first chorus, nothing. Sang the second chorus, nothing. And the pastor said, okay, just just one more verse. And during that third verse of the song, I saw the father look over to his son. And he let his gaze linger, and it seemed like the hardness in his eyes softened. And then he kind of shuffled over to the boy during the song, and he put his arm around his boy, and he looked him in his eye, and he said, I love you, son. And as I watched, I saw the boy's arm kind of reach up and embrace his dad. And he said, I love you too. And I got tears in my eyes because I wanted to be that boy. But my dad is dead and it's never going to happen. Friends, don't assume. Don't assume that your son or your daughter, the people in your life, who you love, don't assume you've sent them enough clues to let them know that you love them. Our problem in our world, our problem in our culture is not that we don't love our kids. It's not that we don't love our grandkids. It's not that we don't love our friends. Our problem is we don't say it. We don't just say those ultimate words of affirmation. I was thinking about this when I read an article about what happened after the death of President Ronald Reagan. His son, Michael, said that during President Reagan's life, he had never told them that he loved him, his son. He never said the words, I love you, Michael. And it bothered Michael quite a bit. And so one day, Michael took the initiative. And he went up to his dad, and he said, Dad, I love you. And he gave him a hug. And President Reagan said, well, I love you too, son. And he gave him a hug. And Michael said, that was a breakthrough in our relationship. He said, from that day on, every single time my dad and I came together, there was a hug and there were these words, I love you. And I thought I could have done that. I could have taken the initiative. I could have said the words first, but I never did. And maybe that's a step of affirmation that you need to take this Christmas season. As for that Samaritan woman, well, 
Her conversation with Jesus transformed her. Jesus looked supernaturally into her life and told her things about herself that only he could know because of his divine abilities. And she realizes after a few moments of this conversation, this is a Messiah. And so what does she do? Well, John 4, verses 28 through 30 tell us. It says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. And then verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And here's the point. She was so overwhelmed by her encounter with Jesus Christ, she could not keep him to herself. She couldn't help but run into town. She left her water bucket behind. She runs into town to do what? To invite people to come and have their own personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's the third gesture of grace that we can extend this Christmas season, the gesture of an invitation. The gesture of an invitation to bring people to a place where they can meet the Jesus who has changed your life. You heard Ryan talk about the Christmas services coming up here at Woodlands Church. I mean, if you've ever been to the Christmas services here, you know here, they are spectacular. They are fantastic. They are a thing that you can be excited about inviting family and friends to attend. And I hope you'll seize that opportunity. And um, maybe, as Ryan suggested, come once and experience it, and maybe come a second time and, and bring some friends and bring some family members along uh, to experience it with you. You never know what's going to happen in the course of that kind of experience, especially because at Christmas season, people are more and more open to God, and especially during the pandemic, more people are open to God. And if, and if people are just reluctant to come out because of the pandemic, that's okay. Invite them to watch online. Give them the link and, uh, and suggest that they tune in. It'll encourage them. But when we invite people to a place where they can hear the gospel message, you never know what God is going to do. In fact, I was in Des Moines, Iowa a while back, and uh, I, met a, I was speaking at a conference, and I met a pastor and he said, Lee, um, I need to tell you something. He said, um, you know what I do when I meet someone who's not a Christian? I said, no. He said, I invite them over to my house for dinner, and then I show them your movie, The Case for Christ. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, that's, that's a great idea. I said, what's the result then? He said, Lee, so far, 36 people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. 36 people. Now, that's awesome. The gospel is in that movie. Now, just so you know, I don't get a dime if you, if you get the DVD of that movie. I don't get a penny if you, if you stream it uh, to someone. It's on streaming service and so forth. Um, so I'm not, I'm, this is not a commercial to sell you anything. I'm just saying that's, that's, a, that's something you can invite people to experience. Uh, or give it to them for Christmas and say, you know, I was just listening to a guy and this is a story about his life. About how God changed his life. I thought it might be encouraging for you. Um, and maybe give him a copy or invite him over to, to watch it. Who knows? I was talking about this with my buddy Mark Middleberg, and he, was he said, well, I'll tell you what happened with me with an invitation. He said, um, I was at our church. He said, I was taking photographs of people being baptized. And this woman came out of the baptismal waters of the lake, and she came over to me, 
And she said, do you remember me? And I said, I'm sorry, no, I don't. Who are you? She said, well, several years ago, you and your wife Heidi came to an apartment complex looking to rent an apartment. And I was the manager of that apartment complex. And I showed you around, and you decided not to rent from us, which was fine. But before you left, you gave me a little card that had the name of your church and the service times and the directions on how to get there, the address. And you just gave it to me, and you left. And I, I kept that card for, golly, long, long time. And then one day I, I thought, you know what? I think I need God. And I went to your church, and I met Jesus Christ, and today I'm being baptized as his followers. And um, I t- Mark, Mark looked at me, and he said, you know, when I heard that story, it made me want to invite people to church recklessly <laughs> just just recklessly just invite people leave it to god what's going to happen just be reckless in inviting people to a place where they can hear about the grace of god so who might god be leading you to invite this christmas season i hope you'll pray about that i hope you'll you'll uh, take the risk and extend the invitation so basically that's three simple ways right they're simple simple ways that we can show gestures of grace this Christmas season. We can meet a need, we can affirm someone, or we can invite them and or we can invite them to a place where they could hear the gospel. And you think, okay, those are so simple. Those are so basic. Can they really change a life? And I want to tell you a story about a man whose life was transformed because of little gestures like that. His name is Cody, Cody Huff. Cody Huff was a convicted burglar, convicted counterfeiter, convicted drug dealer, spent many years in prison. He was a crack addict, he was a heroin addict, and he was homeless. And he was living in the dirt in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then one day he was outside a pizzeria in an alley. He had climbed inside a dumpster to dig around in the dumpster to try to find uh, Uh, pieces of uneaten pizza crust or pieces of uneaten chicken wings that he could find. He's digging around this dumpster looking for food when the hopelessness of his situation just hit him with full force. And he said to himself, it's come to this. I'm eating out of garbage cans. I'm sleeping in the dirt. I'm filthy and I stink and I'm starving to death. And there's no way out said, oh God, there's no hope and there's no future. And he just collapsed in that dumpster in tears. He said to me later, he said, Lee, if I'd owned a gun back then, I would have put it in my mouth and I would have pulled the trigger. He said, I was so hungry, I was so exhausted, I was so desperate, and I was so ashamed. He said, I had nothing left. Do you know what that feels like? I had nothing and I was nothing. He tried to get a job, but people would just chase him away. He just looked so raggedy. He tried begging for money, but that was so demeaning, and besides, people would just reject him anyway. So finally, what he would do is, is he got a squeegee and, and a bucket, and, and uh, he would, um, when people would pull their car into a parking lot, he would say, you know, would you like me to clean your windows, um, and, and hoping they'd give him you know, a tip, a couple bucks or 50 cents or a dime or something for his efforts. And so he would do that, and his pattern was he would work for three days straight 
washing windows and getting little tips. And over three days, he would gather about $40 to $50. And then he would get on the bus, and he would go down to Fremont Street, where the drug dealers were, and he would buy $40 or $50 worth of crack, and he would smoke it in 10 minutes. And then he would go back to sleep in the dirt. And when he woke up, he'd do the whole thing over and over and over. People treated him like a dog. In fact, when, when he would try walking across the street, often cars would speed up like they were going to try to hit him. But not everybody. There was, there was this one woman in a red Mustang. Uh, Cody was in a parking lot of a grocery store, and this woman in a red Mustang came in. And so Cody limped over to her car. He didn't really have a limp, but he thought he'd get some sympathy. So he limps over to her car and um, says, can I wash your windows? And she said, well, I just have my car detailed, so I don't need that. But are you hungry? And he said, oh, ma'am, I'm starving. And so she reached into her purse and she pulled out a few $5 gift certificates from McDonald's. What was that? It was a simple and inexpensive gesture of meeting a need. And she gave them to Cody, and Cody said, I spent all but 12 cents of those coupons. He said it was a lifesaver, a gesture of grace that gave him hope. Well, it got to the point where Cody smelled so bad, he hadn't had a bath in so long that even the other homeless people didn't want to be around him. And so when he'd come into the field to sleep at night, they'd make him sleep all way over by himself. Said, Cody, you stink. Cody, you smell. Cody, you need a bath. And so one of the other homeless guys came up to him and said, hey, Cody, uh, there's a church that is offering free showers to people like us. Why don't we go tomorrow and get a, get a shower? And Cody said, great, I need one. So they got up the next day. They walked miles across Las Vegas to Central Christian Church. And they went in to the lobby and got a number to wait for their turn to take a shower. And there was coffee and there were donuts. And so they're eating the donuts and drinking the coffee. And in walks a woman into the room, middle-aged woman by the name of Michelle. She was a volunteer there at the church. And she looked around the room and she saw Cody. And she walked right over to Cody, and she looked him in the eyes, and she said, Sir, you look like you need a hug. And, and Cody was just aghast by this. I mean, here he is. He's gaunt. Uh, his hair is matted. His beard is straggly. His clothes are dirty and stained. His teeth are rotting in his mouth. And he shook his head, and he said, Ma'am, I haven't taken a shower in three months. I smell horrible. And Michelle smiled, and she said, Well, you don't smell to me. And she reached out and she embraced Cody Huff and gave him a hug. And then she looked him in the eye and she said, Sir, do you know that Jesus loves you? And Cody's thinking to himself, Well, Jesus can't love me. I'm homeless. Jesus can't love me. I'm a drug addict. Jesus can't love me. I'm a felon. Jesus can't love me. I'm a bad man. And Michelle repeated, Jesus loves you. What was that? It was a simple gesture of affirmation. And what, it, what, what, it, what happened at that moment 
Something spiritual sparked in Cody Huff at that very moment. Years later, when I talked to him about it, he, he, could, he could hardly express it. And, and I said, tell me, what happened? What happened? He said, well, he said, Lee, plain and simple, that was the pivotal moment of my life. Think about that. This simple gesture of affirmation, Jesus loves you, the pivotal moment of his life. He said, at the time of my life when I was the least lovable, when everyone shunned me, when there was no hope of getting out of the mess I was in, when I smelled so bad that even the other homeless didn't want to be around me, there she was with this simple expression of the grace of God, and something happened in my heart. I said, what? What was it? What happened? And he kind of stumbled around. He said, well, it was a hug, but it was more than that. It was what the hug was saying to me. I accept you. I care about you. You matter to me. You have worth and you have value. You have dignity as a human being. He said, that was the first time in so long that anyone cared if I lived or if I died. Even I didn't care anymore, he said. He said, I think that's why I kept doing the drugs. I was hoping that the next hit would stop my heart. And then he said, he snapped his finger. He said, then everything changed. Friends, that is the power of a simple gesture of affirmation. But Michelle didn't stop there. She also offered the gesture of an invitation. She said, sir, would you like to go to church with me? And Cody said, well, yeah, but the building's probably going to fall down if I do that. She said, no, it won't. Come on with me. So he went with Michelle. They sat in the balcony in the dark so no one could see him. And a pastor friend of mine, Judd Wilhite, got up, and he talked about the grace and the love of God. And this all started an insatiable appetite in Cody for Jesus. And it culminated three weeks later when he was in the dirt where he slept in an empty field. And he said to me, he said, Lee, I didn't really know anything about the Bible except God loves me, Jesus died for me, I'm a sinner, forgiveness is available, and I wanted it. He said, I didn't even know how to pray. He said, I got on my knees with my face in the dirt, crying like a baby, and I said, God, I am so tired. I'm tired of the drugs. Please, take them away from me. It's like I've been driving my own car my whole life, and all I do is get in these head-on wrecks. Why don't you drive, God? I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I, I want to surrender my life to you. God, please make me a new man. Do you have any idea how much God loves to answer prayers like that? And he did. He answered Cody's prayers. And over time, he changed his heart. He changed his desires. He ended his cravings for drugs. Cody joined every Bible study in Las Vegas. He was in all of them, it seemed like. He volunteered at the church. Um, he told everybody he met, he told them about Jesus. He got his first legitimate job of his life. He became self-supporting. And today, Cody Huff is an ordained Baptist minister. He's the, he's the head of a ministry to the homeless in Las Vegas. Uh, now all the authorities who used to arrest him for being homeless and a vagrant, now they consult him. How can we help the homeless situation here in Las Vegas? Every week 
in the park where Cody used to sleep in the dirt, he holds an event for other homeless people to come. And I've been there with Cody. We've done this event together. And uh, all the homeless come and sit with Cody to hear him talk about God. And Cody offers them gestures of grace. He meets their needs by feeding them a great meal while they're there. He affirms them with a pat on the shoulder, with a handshake, with a hug. He tells them that Jesus loves them. And he gives them an invitation to personally meet the Jesus who changed his life. Oh yeah, and remember the woman in the red Mustang? Well, she's a volunteer now with Cody's ministry. So while he's speaking to the guys and gals who come, the homeless, to listen to him, she's in the back cooking on the grills there in the park, cooking chicken to feed them. And her name is Heather. And today, Heather and Cody are husband and wife. And Cody's become my good friend. And so he, he calls me every once in a while. He called me not long ago, and he said, he said, Lee, He's, he's so enthusiastic now. He said, Lee, you'll never believe this. I said, what? He said, you know, because of my meth addiction, I, all my teeth rotted out. And, um, but there's a dentist in our church. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you a whole new mouth of teeth. And he did. He gave me a whole new mouth of teeth. I said, Cody, that's fantastic. How did it turn out? He said, it's fantastic. He said, when I smile, I, 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 I look like Joel Osteen. <laughs> But friends, that is the power of three simple gestures of grace, meeting a need, affirmation, and an invitation. I mean, who can you offer those gestures to this Christmas season? I mean, look for opportunities, pray for opportunities, and let's see what God does. So let me pray, but as I pray, I'm gonna pray first by offering an invitation. Because some of you may have heard the story about Cody and said, I'm kind of where he was. I'm not homeless, but I'm, I'm hopeless. I've lost my job in the pandemic. We've lost our savings. We're hurting. We've lost friends. And you realize you need to pray the prayer that Cody prayed. Say, God, make me a new man. Make me a new woman. I want to give you that opportunity. And then I'll pray for all of us. So if you want to take that step, if you want to meet Jesus personally, let him change your life like he's changed Cody's life and my life and so many other lives, then just pray this prayer. You don't even have to say the words. You just repeat them in your heart. God knows your heart. Just in your heart say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into our world at Christmas, living the perfect life, and dying to pay the payment for the sins that I deserved, the payment I should have paid. Thank you for doing that on my behalf. And thank you for rising from the dead to show your power over death. I believe as best I can that you are the Son of God. And right now, I reach out to receive your free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that you purchased for me on the cross. I want to turn from the life I've been living. I want to 
I want to walk your path all my days. I want to be a, a new person. Make me a new person. And I look forward to spending eternity with you forever. Amen. And now, Father, we know from Luke 15 that a party breaks out in heaven. Whenever a sinner repents, receives forgiveness through your son. So we celebrate those that have taken that step just now. And we pray for the rest of us that you would give us your divine nudgings and leadings this Christmas season. Direct us to people whose needs we can meet. Direct us to people who need affirmation and to know that you love them. Give us the courage to invite folks to come to Christmas services where they can hear the gospel, where their lives may be transformed on that day. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for who you are and what you do in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless y'all. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, man. Yeah. man, Lee's message is always so powerful. He's a great family friend, but really he just cares so much about you guys. He cares so much about our church family. And we're so glad that you're here with us. So glad that you were able to receive that encouraging word. Hey, before you tune out, before you get go away, I have a couple quick things I want to let you know about. And the first thing is, is that we have our angel tree ministry going on. And what this is, it's an opportunity for us to provide Christmas presents, gifts, toys, and clothing to kids who would otherwise, and families who would otherwise not have Christmas this year in our Houston community. So I encourage you, as you walk out in the lobby, grab an angel tree to... to get a gift for someone, or if you're watching online, you can go on the website, go to wc.org slash events, and you can see uh, Angel Tree there, and you can actually do a virtual Angel Tree all online. You know, we're coming to the time of offering right now, and a few weeks ago, I was talking to my dad about giving and about finances and about ministry, and I said, Dad, how can we continue to do ministry at this level? How can we keep reaching all these people that we're doing? Shouldn't we scale back? Shouldn't we, you know, cut some of this stuff back? I don't know if it, it, it makes sense during this time, and he said, Ryan, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like, but I know that we as a church can't afford not to keep doing ministry at this level. And I said, that's what it's all about. That makes sense because it's all about faith. And my parents have always stepped out in faith and said, God, we don't know how you're gonna provide. We don't know where you're gonna provide, but we believe and know that you will. And we've seen him come through over 25 years at Woolen Church, and we believe we're gonna to continue to see him come through in your families and here at the church. And so that's why I wanna encourage you as we go into the Christmas season, I wanna encourage you to give. Think about what you wanna give as a family. Continue to think about your tithes and offerings and just remember that it's so, so crucial during this time to continue to support the essential ministries of the church because the church is the hope of the world. And there's a lot of ways you can give. You can give by going to, on wc.org slash give. You can go to, you can text 77977 and text the word GIVEWC, all one word. Really, there's a lot of ways you can give and it's really easy to give through your mobile phone just by visiting the app or visiting the website. You can give stocks and assets, of course, or you can mail a check to One Fellowship Drive, The Woodlands, Texas, 77384. And it's so easy to give, but the main thing is not what you give, it's the, your state of your heart. And so I wanna encourage you to continue to think about how do we continue to reach out as we have over a million people who have joined us here at Woodlands Church Online and the hope 
that we've seen, and really I've seen a few hands raised even online right now, the life change that's going on in this church, in this ministry is incredible, and you are all part of it. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much that we get to be part of the life change, part of the story that is your ministry, your gospel, your bride, going out into the world, changing lives, and making new disciples, Lord. We believe that you are raising up this next generation. We believe that you are using each one of us here watching online, watching in person, to spread your gospel. I pray that you continue to give us a heart to serve with our time, our resources, but also our finances, Lord. Help us to put you first in every single area. Don't let us make excuses. Let us be bold in putting you first because we believe that you will continue to bless, continue to provide. And Lord, I just wanna thank you for the legacy and the impact that you continue to make through these people and through our church. You know, I pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.